welcome to Comedy Eaters. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And this week, we are joined by one of our favorite people from Pop Addled. Keenan is here. Hello, Keenan. Hello. Happy to be here. Yeah. So welcome, exciting. Welcome. Very happy to do this movie. There is only one person <laughs> that we could get. We dare give the raspberry. <laughs> that, that, that we could get to talk about teenage vampires, the quarries, pre-Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland, and one half of Bill and Ted. Joel yes. Schumacher's The Lost Boys. But first, yes. as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What is everybody drinking this episode? Keenan, you go. Jim. Oh, yeah, okay. Keenan. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Since, so. since I, I am drinking alcohol, um, I am drinking Einstock Icelandic Toasted Porter. Ooh. Oh, very nice. Love is that it. good? Is it good? I've I've seen their it, beers it and I've never is. had one. It is. It's really good. Uh, Mandy actually suggested this, so I picked it up. It was between this and then my my second, which I might pop into later, depending on how this episode goes. I do have a blonde coffee stout. It's called Afternoon Delight from Stable Twelve. Oh. I just want to give them a shout out. Yeah, a little Afternoon Lord. Delight. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I'm having uh, sparkling water, a little uh, blueberry lemonade from Trader Joe's. It's delicious. Fabulous. I am drinking a bottle of Kiefer Sutherland's blood that I thought is wine. <laughs> no, I am drinking polar orange vanilla seltzer. I had already had a delicious oh Shovel God. Town uh, double IPA at a barbecue. Uh, and maybe I will rebound and have something else. But I'm not a teenage vampire anymore. So I can't proceed to drink for hours at a time. Nor are you an adult in their 20s playing a teenage vampire. No, I am. I am not that either. Nor do I have a mullet. <clears throat> nor I, do they're coming back. They're coming yeah, back. That they are coming so back. Awful. They are coming back. Um, I kind of felt like this entire movie was filled with Gary Sharon and it was an extreme music video at numerous points, like very interesting looks. Uh, I love it. Let's talk about it. Uh, we do not have Katie this week for a rundown. Who would like to give us something to set the tone in case you have not seen the Lost Boys and are tuning in and thinking, is this a spinoff of Peter Pan? Is, is this I what mean, we're doing? It is here? not. But that is, I think, why. I mean, there is a. Yeah. Keenan, do you want to run us down the plot? Keenan, to give us your opinion of how would you describe this film? Yeah, to somebody who's never seen The Lost Boys. Inspired by Peter Pan, Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys takes a look at what if the Lost Boys were actually vampires. As Michael and his brother Sam moved to a new town of Santa Clara, not to be confused with Santa Cruz where it was filmed, they soon learn that it is filled with vampires and they are introduced to the world as Michael is inducted into the Lost Boys and he must be saved by killing the head vampire. But who is the head vampire? Did you come up with that on your own on the spot there? Literally on the spot. Like I, that, that <laughs> like is, I, I would have had something better. I feel like you've seen this movie a lot because you had it just I, like you had it down this, to a T there. So, so this, this for me, like, like I, I know that. <laughs> there, well, let's there get, let's give it, give it. You give it. Turn yeah, this into your grade. Great, give us your grade and then of A plus through F minus. Keenan, where is the Lost Boys for you? 
This is a solid B. Because it is a B-movie. It is a guilty pleasure of mine. I love this movie. And I know it has some serious issues. I know there's, like, so much stuff wrong with it. But this is, like, a fun movie. I'm, that's why I'm happy to talk about it. Because, like, this is, like, Buckaroo Banzai for me. This is one of the movies that I love watching as often as I can. All right. Uh, Jim? Yeah, I, I actually kind of agree with Keenan on this. Like, this is one of the fun movies that I actually really enjoyed. Uh, I'm going to give it a B minus. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I, I am. I may have gone C plus, but that's what I went with interview with the vampire this last week. And it's better. So, so I think better. I actually toyed with the idea of going with Keenan at a B, but I think I feel most comfortable at going with Jim, probably at a B minus potentially on mood. It could be a B. But so like, go, I think the B minus, I think B minus is where I, fall. it's funny. Like I, I think this movie started to really crystallize for me. Like why I'm harsher on some movies that I don't, that are, that are clearly that, that have issues versus something like this. And, and it's that this is hitting the right tone and the right level of like, of exposition and the right level of like, suspended disbelief and and all of that like it's very easy for me to enjoy this movie with all the problems whereas like there is other movies that have the same problems and i can't enjoy them because they're either taking themselves too seriously and asking you to to like they ask you to like suspend disbelief for this set of things and then totally disregard this other part of their own movie and it doesn't work, right? Whereas this, this is pretty tight. Of this is a pretty tight movie. There's not a lot of, yeah. of like extra crap. In yeah, it. you could almost argue it's maybe too tight. Do I mean there's almost there's like gaps? Yeah, I feel like this is there's some really great story. I there's think so, oh there is some great. That's what I mean. But do you feel like there's there's stuff left open here that is interesting to explore? Whereas yeah. I felt like last weekend when we did our episode on interview with a vampire, I was like, I don't know if there's that much more interesting to explore here. I just don't like what they chose to explore at points. Right, Where in, right. As in this one, I'm like, Oh, I, I think they could have, there could have been more of some of these characters in here. And I would have been really interested in where they went with it. And the campiness helps a thousand times. I think with this one, whereas interview with a vampire, let's say didn't have that tonally. And that leads to some of the problems that in this movie, you're probably willing to turn a blind eye to, whereas it with interview with a vampire, you're like, I can't, if I'm supposed to have this as a serious drama, like I, I can't turn a blind eye to this. It's just not possible. Yeah. I think, I think some of the things going like what you were saying about it being too tight. Like I, I think like some of the issues are not necessarily performance are just straight up story like yes it, no that's so what i mean Tina. Yes. like we are going from point a to point b to point c to point b. it's and it's just like i mean michael needs to find out what he's going but we also need to shove in this love interest story so when he goes to find out what's happening to him he's just obviously going to have sex with jamie gertz because yes because it's a 1980s movie i think most right. of the issues of this film are actually tied to when the film was made they, right. It's like, like everything you consider to be a 
teenage, early 20s, 80 movie cliche is in this movie without fail. This is but, clearly a movie of that time period. And, and that's OK, because it can work. But there, there are certain things that I think are crammed in there because it, the, the expectation is in like <clears throat> 1985, 1986. This is what you're going to so like, see. I, let's start let's start at the beginning, because like yeah. they move in. And I, and I, I want to say that, like the opening of this movie really set a tone of like. It reminded me of it, like when when oh, they yeah. when they showed Derry in it chapter one, where where you're like, this is a depressed area, sort of. It's the it's the late eighties. It's shitty for a lot of people. Um, there's missing children posters all over the place. Lots of missing kids in this town. Yeah, and I thought that was a, actually a really great intro to to the movie. Besides the the carnival fight, because that was kind of dumb, but. I mean, it, like, do you really need to go start shit on a on a merry-go-round? <laughs> That's well, all I mean, where all the cool the, fights the are happening. The carnival is very important because it does also introduce us to Cry Little Sister. Yeah. Yeah, that song. Iconic <laughs> song. I couldn't Which, even tell okay. you. After watching the movie, I couldn't tell you that was the song. <laughs> it's played like 10 times. It is played 10 times, but... It was also the people are the, the people are strange covers better than yes. Cry Little Sister. It, I I agree, but I I I will still defend this. This goes all the way back. To I a know our five. episode. Yeah, I, I still can't and, believe after watching this movie that you would pick that song as a top five song. It's one of those songs that like if you if you've seen the Lost Boys and if you are actually like a fan of Lost Boys like I am, the second you hear that song, you are taken to the movie. The only and, time like, you hear that song is when you're watching the movie. Let's be completely honest. Because it is not played anywhere yeah. else. Like when that. when have you been like at Home Depot and been like, oh shit, Lost Boys. Oh, well, this, yeah. Maybe if the doors are playing, you might think that. True. Um, <laughs> this film though, and I love your point, Jim, like setting a story of what is happening outside of the vampire world and really highlighting the vampires interacting within that world. And when we talked last week, like part of the interview with vampire issues, you don't see that much. And, you know, we'll talk about that movie compared to this because we're doing back to back. But I feel like the idea of, wow, holy crap, these are vampires living within this community and affecting this community makes it scarier, makes it more relevant. Like all of that is delivered just by establishing that the community. And it does have such a Stephen King vibe. Oh yeah. Feel yeah like. that intro. Like, I, this, they kind of drop it there though. They're, town, like I was know, thinking where, it was like, I, I couldn't remember a lot of the subtext of this movie. So like, I didn't remember if they held up the idea of like, Oh no, the vampires aren't, aren't just the cause of this they're also drawn to like because of the, that the yeah like a like mm. just the downtrodden thing Nature. like it like it it is like dairy is the is the place and it causes all these problems but it also feeds on the anger and fear of people so like it became like a fearful place and it just like a self-fulfilling prophecy and so, that doesn't go that doesn't go anywhere in this movie after the first right. after the intro you don't see i mean i, I think you're just basically supposed to know that like this, nah, this, no this, one this, really cares yeah. that it, that everyone's missing no one really this is, is the cause. yeah yeah 
Yeah, the vampires are the cause. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not. not yeah. yeah, no. And you go to the boardwalk, and you, you on a Saturday night, and you have a better chance of being shivved in this town than winning a prize at any of the so carnival one, games. One of the things, though, I do like about that opening that I, I really enjoy about this movie and it's it's something i didn't realize so mandy watched it with me today and she's never seen it which was very exciting for me to introduce this to her uh halfway like almost halfway through the movie actually it's it's a, a, in the first act she she turns to me and she says i thought this was a vampire movie like I, I i and that's something that i really like about it like joel schumacher does open it and if you don't know that they're vampires mm-hmm. It's kind of like this nice mystery of like what what is going on like what what's happening with these weird angles why are we getting these helicopter shots why is the roof getting torn off like until we see them do it with the vamp face yeah, like we, yeah. we aren't really vampire is not really even in it it's just something weird is going on with these delinquents like that's really all we get yeah and that's something that I actually think was a great choice and I and I it, that's like very much on Joel Schumacher. So as much as I might hate him for the Batman stuff, <clears throat> I like him for his other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is really I thought well directed for you know the source material, you know, whatever the script was. Cause it, it is goofy and there are but he I think he is able to keep some like level of intrigue and and like a lot of vampire movies like even interview with the vampire like you always have to because vampires are whatever they are in our culture mm. you always have to speak to the rules right and it's so it's so tedious and it's so there's no way there's no there's no way you win having that conversation right like it's it's always like it always breaks the immersion because it's always like oh they're telling me what I need to know about how these vampires live and die and in this movie they do it a little bit but for the most part they ignore a lot of it and they just kind of show you sort of what works and what doesn't there are a few like garlic doesn't work and stuff like that or like they they're basically like i don't know i didn't find it as obtuse or like as kind of like i don't know fourth wall breaking as i normally find it well, they also the way they play with that is interesting, right? So it's like you're not quite sure what's going to work, and they use that as a in humorous ways through uh, Corey Feldman and yeah, like brother. the you comic know, like, books are not that, exactly that right. Works, yeah. yeah, that works, and I think that's really intriguing. I also think you mean the Frog the choice, Brothers, <laughs> the Frog Brothers, the choices they make in terms of set design. And, and things like that are just so much more interesting than, you know, you think of the, your standard, like, say, Bram Stoker, Dracula or something. Right. You're going to get that very Victorian look. But this it's there. This is a dirtier look. Do you know what I mean? A, a kind of edgier look. And it just works. It worked. I'm sure it worked even more so for that time period, you know, of the 80s. Right. That it fits. But as a, a piece now going back so many years later and watching it, you're like, oh, no, this is there's a vibe to this that's unique and different. You know, there's a feel to this that it's more relevant. It's it's more interesting. It's certainly more interesting than, you know, some of the sequences where in interview with a vampire, they're down in a wine cellar and it's lit by 
you know, candelabras and all this stuff. And this one, it's that cave. I don't know. There's just something about it that drags you in to their world. Well, it's interesting. It felt more, I felt more immersed <clears throat> in this vampire world than I did in interview of the vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is weird, but you shouldn't think that, right? You're thinking like, okay, if, if nothing in the drama, right? Neil Jordan, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise versus Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Joe Shukma, who's going to drag me into right. that world. And they are able to do that visually um, in a way that I, I just, I don't know, I connected with what they, their vision for that world is so much more. I honestly think the direction in Interview with the Vampire is pretty terrible. Like and in the cinematography specifically, like what shots they got in that movie, it was constant close-ups of Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, and there was no, there were so few establishing shots. There were and like the environments of of that movie are great, and you don't see the you don't see them in a way that makes them interesting. And in this movie, you have that really cool cave, and they're constantly showing you like interesting angles and interesting like like what that room would feel like to be in you live it right right yeah i think yeah. it's good i think i think it's good i think but i think also like i mean the set and to, to even compare the two movies the to me personally like the set also it, it's a good representation of the movie itself whereas like i feel like interview with the vampire is kind of an empty movie it's a movie that i enjoyed watching at that time and I went back and watched it once, and but uh, yeah. I haven't I haven't brought myself to watch it to listen to the episode. So like I I don't know how much you guys reference. But it, but it's plan. interesting, Keenan. I think that's a great point though because I I do don't. think the I do think the emptiness was a goal, right? I think that was a choice they were making, but it makes it difficult to ever want to see it again. You know, yeah. like this, like what this if, is full of life. It's it, it it's just well, yeah, look, it, look, part of that to me is like the window into these worlds, you know, so the the window into this world is obviously Jason Patrick, right? It's it, Jason Patrick right. is going to be our character that drags us into this world. And, and I have to be honest, I found Jason Patrick's performance to be eh. but I found his what I'll say is I thought it was OK. What I found is his character is doing all the things I thought Brad Pitt's character was missing last week, which is showing his frustration, showing how he's fighting back against it. The character makes a lot of sense as a character going into that world. The performance I thought was just OK k by him but i i I liked what the character was doing a lot more here and it made it a lot more interesting in terms of his fight back and i thought it got better he got better as the movie went on i thought the first third his performance was shaky i I, yeah i definitely agree with that one of the things i find interesting is while watching this i was i was much more critical while watching it this time through and one of the things i've always felt every single time i've watched it one of the performances i've hated and I've always just been like, it's so bad, is Corey Feldman with that stupid voice he's doing. But this time <laughs> watching it, there was something about it that like when I actually like watched it and looked at it and looked at what his character is, yeah. that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it I think it kind of had something to do with listening to Unspooled talk about Tom Cruise's performance in Top Gun. Like I feel like Feldman was almost doing the same thing. Like his character 
they're the frog brothers are supposed to be our experts on the rules and mm. stuff but they don't know shit they don't know anything about it <laughs> right and it's very clear that this is their first time actually even though they live in an area filled with vampires this is their first time actually confronting vampires but they're playing it like they they've been doing this experts, their whole life yeah and that's the voice that Corey feldman's doing and when i when i was able to like actually see that and and register it i was like oh his over-the-top performance makes sense because it's it's the character putting on a performance yeah not court feldman acting badly it's the frog brother acting badly think about how yeah, many character was, archetypes. Yeah, that's a great i didn't even think of that keenan that's such a great analysis of that character in retrospect <laughs> right. thinking about it now yeah he, yeah he he's the you know the there's so many characters like that in in movies and things you know like you, you sort of get bill murray in like he has that vibe a little bit of bill murray and caddyshack vibe mm. um but you know that he's capable of such great acting like this is not far removed from goonies or not goonies um from stand by me right from stand by me yeah is what i was thinking of but this is also the height of his drug problem this is this is oh a, was this the height uh, of it i thought it was a little bit so actually a little background story he got fired from this movie because he showed up coked out of his mind and then fell asleep while filming and joel schumacher fired him and he came begging the next day and like joel schumacher like basically was like you have to have like a sobriety check every day that you're on set we need to make sure that you're straight and you're right and then you can then we'll film you that would that was the only way that he could be filmed so yeah this, so this like is, so there, there, there's because of what was going on in his real life, I would not put it past him just putting out a bad performance. But that is not what's happening here. But That's, listen to this, like li listen to this, like he's in Gremlins in '84, which I think his character is incredible in that. Yes, Goonies in '85, Stand by Me in '86, yes. Lost Boys in '87, The Burbs yeah. in '89. Like, and he was good in the Burbs. Yeah, too, by yeah, the yeah. He's great in all of those movies. I think yeah. is sort of my point. Um, this, I would say, this is he's probably le le like doing the least work in this movie. It's just kind of like he was he's kind of in goofy. this movie a lot less than I remembered. I, yeah, I actually too. felt, in retrospect, having not seen this for a really long time, that this was more of a Corey's movie than it really is. It, it's just the first. That, that's yeah. it. it yeah, yeah yeah it just i just thought of this like both of them i i was surprised i mean Corey Haim is actually in it obviously a good deal more but i was i was just surprised i i just my maybe those are the characters that just stood out to me more than anything else but just the two of them were the ones when i was younger and and Corey feldman is in it very little yeah yeah and one of the interesting things too i i think that Corey Feldman is definitely, as we're talking about like his roles and what he's done, like he's he's definitely the better actor. But I enjoy Haim's performance more. I, I just I just thoroughly enjoy Haim's performance. There's something I don't know why. There's something I, about. Him. I think there's awesome. yeah. I I think there is something, Keenan. You're right because like there's things he can pull off that make no sense. Like he it's he's taking a bath. Bath. He is yeah. like how old? How, how old is he? He's like, I mean, it's, there's moments where he's playing like, 
a I would assume like an yeah yes, but we're he's supposed to probably be what are we aiming at like a freshman sophomore in high school maybe age yeah, in this I film is kind of weird like yeah. how old is Jason Patrick? How, I think those I, I think those folks are supposed to be like post college like I I really do. Do you really think yeah. that that's how old they are? Okay, so yeah, I think they're I think they're in their twenties. They're supposed okay. to be in their twenties because that know, because he says he start he's. I mean, maybe it is. I don't think it's post-college. I would say I just it meant age-wise. Well, because he has he does have a line when he comes back and his mom's like, are we still friends? And he's like, I have more to worry about than school and girls. It's yeah, the yeah. only time that anything's ever referenced. So it's like, okay, he is in school. That's the only time we get a reference of his age. So it's like, but what school is he in? Is he in high school or is he in college? Who knows? I mean, that's a great point. You just have no... Right. Which is fine, but I mean, it's just, that's just like an interesting element. But I think Corey Haim's able to play that, and I'm thinking of like other Corey movies as well. Like he's just able to get some humor and stuff across. I don't know if it's his look, the way he can sell stuff that Feldman can't, but I think that's why it's so they do. I mean, not that their movies are amazing, but they do play well off each other yeah. when they're in movies together like that balance of comedy that they're able to play off each other is pretty strong. Yeah. And that's not really in this movie. Like it, no, like it's it, very little. <clears throat> yeah. I, I do like Corey Haynes performance. I think it's very, I think it's funny. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when he's like, you're wait, you're a vampire. Wait till mom finds out. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so great. That's so good. Can we talk about the 80s-ness of this movie for a few minutes? Like, <laughs> oh, I did want to talk about that. So after the beginning scene, you get this. So the 80s-ness is on full display. First of what Corey Haim is wearing. It's oh, insane. And his hair. But that party on at the beach, at the boardwalk, with oh the gosh. band... <laughs> Sexy sex oh, man. Tim Capella. Tim Capella. What, at what point? I, I would love like a deep. I was gonna. Like, I was gonna show up shirtless. Just you should. Well, up. you should have. I. I, I <laughs> would talk about it. with a I chain around your neck, a giant, and with my, and with my yes. saxophone. Yeah, with your saxophone, you should have. Randomly, I would have just been like. <laughs> when did movies start having like just extended se- music sequences and non-music purpose like? borderline is it at mtv is it like mtv came out and they it's, they figured like we well, got to have I, a I quasi music video in every film we do it's so weird that this 80s vibe and then it just yeah, disappears it, right like you'd never you'd almost never see a sequence like this in a, a modern film no and then there's like well, rad I, I where think, there's like four of them yes <laughs> <laughs> well i think a lot of it also comes into it is mtv that is what's popular and all of a sudden it's like it's a new medium that they get to play around with but also then you look at people like um like, like tony scott who gets tapped in to start filming like music videos you get and this this starts happening where it's like directors start doing music videos which then creates a whole new thing of directors who start in music videos and then become movie directors like Antoine Fuqua, Michel Gondry, um, Spike Jones. Who else? Yeah, that's it. Mick G. So, Mick G. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Mick G's the only one who hangs on to it. But I feel like all of those people, like, it's almost like they're like, well, we grinded our teeth in music videos. So when we start making movies, we're not going to have our movies be anything like a music video, with the exception of Mick G, who's just like, no, I'm going to continue making music that's videos. That's all I'm going to do with the big and budget. I think, 
And I think that's the difference is like in the 80s, we have people who are like, oh, this is cool. I'm a movie director going into this. And then in the 90s, we get the opposite. And that's why it starts to die off. At least that's my personal theory on why that genre fell off. He is he is going at it, though, in this. He still believes. Was that what he says? He is. I mean, this is an all time. He still believes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To the point that. Literally, it was. I sent you guys the uh, YouTube clip because they yeah. made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. John Hand did it. Like, yeah, they're they're this this is a thing. It's like a huge thing. This is a meme before memes were th- memes. Like yeah. this is. It's in. It's in. There's a part in Reservation Dogs. If you haven't watched Reservation Dogs, you should on on uh, FX. It's on Hulu. Uh, there's a part where they re- reference this guy, and I don't want to spoil it, but you should watch it. Um, I, so, I find it, I find it interesting in films like uh, what was it, the second Matrix film and stuff like. Whenever there's like a post-apocalyptic film or something, there's like yes, a damn rave going so, on. It's like so the world's coming to an end. Let's this, have a rave. What I said to in our chat on on uh, you know we we're texting each other is like, was this like the precursor to those like '90s like club hell scenes? Like yes. So there's like if you think about Bad Boys, you think about The Matrix, you think about um what is it blade like there's there's oh there's, yeah the opening of blade there are yeah, so many movies format. with like dark pseudo s&m kind of things going on on stage with like club music in the 90s right and this sort of has that vibe even john wick even john wick right right oh yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. um in this it's like these this weird like the crowd is dancing in a very sexual manner. It's very strange. <laughs> Jamie Gertz is Jamie Gertz, is it? Yes, yeah. Jamie Gertz. Yes. She's oh, yeah. she she's dancing to this music. A crush of mine. As, oh. as if it is like changing her life. <laughs> this she is, is a shirtless is man yes. playing a saxophone. Like, it's not this really is, playing it. it. Looks like something like somebody would well, play actually, like so, pretend. Like he's, he's actually a really good saxophone player. I know, well, no, but no, he's he, not good he at acting, acting to wear it. <laughs> no, <laughs> but so what? The other thing you got to remember is he's playing it live on the on stage. But at the same point, it is being simulcasted on the radio because as we go from that, as the mom is walking to the video store, we hear it playing on the radio. They change the sound. Oh my god! I totally forgot. So oh my god! You're on, right on the radio <laughs> around there. So people not even are on the beach listening to this guy. But what's what's actually crazy is there's um, I, I have seen the direct video sequel to this. There were a couple other ones, but I, I only watched uh, Lost Boys two the tribe there is literally a scene a callback to this where they have like a shirtless fat homeless guy who's like playing saxophone on the side i'm like he's he's playing the song oh god oh my god <laughs> i just, <laughs> just like a throwaway thing the, like, the weird thing about this guy. movie is like i do feel like there are parts of it that feel like it is pushing the 90s right like it's pushing into the 90s like yes Corey haynes cool. hair specifically like his outfit is pure 80s because he looks like it looks terrible but he kind of looks like he's about to be zach morris right like like right. he looks like he looks like someone from like a 90s boy band mm. you know yeah. but he's got some new block vibes right oh, right absolutely but, but then this 
song, specifically the song, not like what's going on, what it looks like. If you, I closed my eyes during this scene just to like take in like the music of it. It's like, it would be the deepest cut on a Huey Lewis like record. It is so terrible and so, <laughs> so awful 80s. Like it's not, it isn't like that to me that like those kids would not be at that show. Well, yeah, everybody's right? like, into that's that, the right? Weird like, thing. why are they there? Right. Like who, why are, and the age groups are staggering that are there. Right. Like if that was the red hot chili peppers in like 1987, like, yes, that makes complete sense to me. Right. But this sound is so dated, even in this, in the time period of this movie, this sound is dated, I think. I don't know. Well, you know what just, else it's is, just like, uh, it feels very weird to me. Do you know what else feels a bit dated uh, watching this in 2022? Jamie Gertz jacket. She is wearing a blazer military combo jacket yeah. in this film. And there's two characters, her character and the child. Yes, Laddie. Holy God. Like, child, this is just like, they're just like, let's just throw is these. Is he wearing like in. a revolutionary war jacket at one point? Yes. What is, yes. Where are these people Which... getting these clothes from? which i always as a as a kid growing up i always thought it was just like one of those things that they were trying to say like oh he's been a vamp he's been a kid vampire like since like the civil war because it's like he's wearing a civil war jacket or yes, something which but no sense. okay but that's you see no, him missing on the face is on the milk cart he's just newly <laughs> missing they have a just, they have a closet full of yeah. old clothes he's just a reenactor yeah <laughs> <laughs> the vampires yeah. are reenacting historical making. events. That I, I will say that, like, I do the famous reenactments of the Civil War being fought in California. <laughs> like, I don't know all the history of like vampires in in pop culture and in like you know um, movies, books, and whatever. But I did like, and I don't know if they introduced that here or where it comes from. But I do like. I think the rule that they set up around quote unquote half vampires. I think it's Very really interesting. I think it's really good plot device and it's a really good thematic element to this movie. Meaning like someone who hasn't fully been turned into a vampire can be saved. You right. know, like that becomes the plot device that you need to kind of, you, you need to solve. And it, but it, it, it yeah. And it, and it comes off, it comes off well. It doesn't, it doesn't feel clunky. It feels, it feels right. It almost arguably makes Jason Patrick's character because the fact he hasn't fully turned and he's fighting that there's still some humanity in him versus what we saw in Brad Pitt, where there is no this idea of, well, he's a vampire with humanity, but there's no way back. So it's kind of right. like, where does that character end up going versus this? We find out like, oh, wait. You know, that can be something go. So in those sequences, for example, when he's fighting so strongly not to kill the beach Nazis, you know, where Kiefer and everybody is doing like that scene plays so well. I feel like that beat that they were looking for an interview for a vampire that they could never deliver. Jason Patrick delivers that and Schumacher delivers it the way he shoots it. Everything there better than we see in interview with a vampire, the idea of a tortured soul who is a vampire, but doesn't want to be a vampire. It, it comes off perfectly. Yeah. Well, and there's that, 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 
that silhouette of like that them in the tree, the orange light behind them, like that. The lighting that is, is so fabulous. Yeah, beautifully shot. Like it's so and that's when you get the teeth in the eyes for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, and and the way that they yeah the way that they light Kiefer the first time that we see him vamp out like it's it's amazing and even going before that the the first like the the chase when when Jamie Gertz runs off right after that beach scene she runs off and they do that that like kind of like whatever whatever chase scene you want to call that where they're on their bikes like, oh yeah yeah so good where all of a sudden the fog comes in. And just the background just disappears. We no longer even know where they're driving. And it, it just works because we don't need to know. We saw them on sand and now all of a sudden they're somewhere on the cliffs. Like we don't need to see them anywhere else. It, yeah. it works and it's just, it's really nicely done. Well, I, it's, I've been watching a lot of the, uh, this month, a lot of the old universal monster movies. They're, they're all in Criterion this month and I'm rewatching them. And I just feel like the slight... <sighs> The, the slight campiness, the mood lighting, you know, so many of these things play into this genre. And this movie is able to capture those things. And again, that a bigger budget or more, you know, self-serious thing. And I know Anne Rice really re like led to the rebirth of vampires in popular culture. And I think maybe from a, a novel perspective, the story that's being told and stuff it, that she tells in those books is fabulous for that medium. But I think there's just something about film in the short form where it's hard to be maybe overly serious unless you really nail it. And whereas if you can do some cool stuff, make it look cool, play fast and loose with some of the rules to fit into a thing, it, it's, it's just exciting. It, they're just it just works better um, from a critical's perspective. You're not you're not sitting there being like, oh my god, I don't like this character as much. This is yeah. kind of ridiculous because there's parts in this movie that is ridiculous. But there are four vampires in mullet biker gang. You know, we got a dirt bike a, gang. Yeah, dirt bike gang. You got a, a kid wearing a Civil War jacket. You got a guy who's owning a video. His store? name is Laddie. <laughs> <laughs> common name by the way right yeah, yeah. <laughs> common name um so jamie gertz fabulous but another 80s trope like she is really doing nothing in this movie that, yeah. so i i agree when i some of my notes so when he goes to the cave and ends up like sleeping with her <laughs> just to have a sexy well i was in like the movie. i was like is she like She's, she's just trying to shut him up. Well, she was supposed to like. kill him, right? Isn't well, that, that what she says? Well, yeah, like hold on, hold on. You're line, jumping but, ahead. Oh, sorry. So, so like, just... he, he, yeah, well, she's, like, is she, I was thinking, is she, like, hypnotized? Is she, like, is she, like, sort of, like, glamored by David or whatever? So, like, but what happens, what you find out is that she's sort of in this half vampire state where, like, she has not killed someone, and so she is sort of, like, weak in the day, whatever it is. It made a little bit more sense, but the whole love story just it's kind of dumb, but it would have been just easier for her to be like, I don't want this to happen to anybody Hmm. instead of like, I'm going to sleep with this guy. Like, I just don't want anybody to be in the same situation that I'm in, but she doesn't do that. She lets them like she could easily just come out and say what's happening and she still lets lets him drink the the blood. Which is not well, David's blood, right? It's apparently it's the other. Oh, right. We'll get it, to it's it. It's the but. other guy's blood. <clears throat> so, which, which there is, there is actually like, 
there is groundwork put in this movie that that leads to the final reveal when we find out that oh, sure. it's the uh, the owner. Because actually, the scene one of my favorite scenes growing up was always the the train trussle when they're yeah yeah, yeah. On yeah so. but right before they jump down, like the whole time everyone's yelling Michael, Michael, Michael. Uh-huh. Uh, but David, like right before he jumps down, he says I. I blanking on what his last name is but he says his full name first and last name which has not been revealed yeah yeah michael B- bennett or something right right and the, uh, the only way that he would know that is if this was all part of a plan and like <clears throat> that's when you start to realize like oh wait like he was he was singled out from the moment that like this video store guy liked the mom and mm-hmm. this was all part of a bigger plan and that's that's where things start to work and like yeah, it doesn't make sense that she's she's like, oh, I can't tell you, but it also kind of does because she is being forced, and let it's like she's not only being forced by she's being forced by David, who's being forced by the big boss. So it's like there is like a lot of compelling being done to her that she can't say anything. Right. Maybe she has been compelled. Well, to the not other say the other thing you you do get a small glimpse of is after David lets go and Michael's just hanging on by himself, mm-hmm. you can hear like this like almost like telepathic voices coming like mm-hmm. at first he listens down and he hears them down below but then right. the audio mix changes and they're like in his head David. or yeah 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 it's, yeah it's just, he's saying michael join us and stuff like that yeah it's and so like that's what i thought was going on with star mm-hmm. um yeah at least to some extent so i even though the love story is kind of dumb i do i think it would have played better because they're like if she if she was just like more insistent of like trying to help him and just not really caring about him in in any kind of like sexual way that would be fine right like the, this that's where this movie to me that's like one of the missteps of this movie is like having having them have some kind of like it's totally fine for them to be attracted to each other i think that's completely normal for for people of that age right to to like act that way around each other but like for her to be like i i really care about you or like like it's just dumb yeah it's it just it, it's again it's i guess they still do it movies to some degree oh, but i feel like they're all the time but but this one it was just so glaring i i love the the train sequence keenan it's actually the cover of the new artwork for the new 4k yes uh, i saw that edition they sent out but that is schumacher's done that does it a few times in this movie which is like part of the reason I think this connects with people, there are certain set pieces that are just so interesting. Like that train sequence alone is just an interesting little vignette you could watch with character dynamic and, and you know, just teens, right? That's like, this not even that they're vampires. You could see teenagers doing something like that. So it's almost the story telling this idea of, you know, the metaphor of a, a vampire, you know, a teenager to vampire comparison, you know, where that works, which is just, again, it interesting. Me, it reminds me of the scene that a uh, couple just a couple years later uh, in, in the program. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they the took that out. Though. In the, yeah, right. That's not actually the in the movie. Because yeah. Yeah. someone died. But, right. But it, it's, yeah. the, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. I, I, I I can't even remember. There's another movie where there's like kids doing it where they're literally staring down a train. Well, no, stand, stand by, by me. me. Yeah. Yeah. They're running I on mean. the train tracks. Yeah. So the, the other, um, yeah. And I love that he uses that also as a, as, 
as a storytelling device. So when Michael falls, he hits his, he basically like, we see him basically landing on his bed and waking up and now, but it's clearly not the next day, right? Like at first I was like, oh yeah, he slept in all day and they're going to start, but it's clearly that this has been going on for, for a while now, right? Like, did you guys get that this time? Like, I think when I, at least that's what I picked up was that I thought it was, I thought that like his, his brothers or his mom's like, you've been coming, you've been staying yes, out all night commenting and, yeah. about it. Yeah. They basically said, yeah, the way that the brother and the mom reacted to him made it seem like this had been going on for a few nights, a few weeks at least. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because it gives you a little bit of time to like, like struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's kind of feeling out what's going on. Um, I thought the scene where he's accidentally like can't control his flying and he's outside <laughs> outside Sam's window oh, is pretty really good. good. Yeah, Corey Haim's the- great. He makes he makes like realistic reactions. I feel like, and also the 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 secondary characters. The grandfather was funny. Yeah. But Kiefer Sutherland is really good in this movie, by the way. I, I don't want to end before. We, I was really, I just, there was something about it. I just thought he was really damn good. Yeah, he's, he's striking looking in this movie, right? Like his, so his, and that, that's like the difference between like Alex Winter. Obviously we love him because he's, he's, you know, Bill and Ted. <laughs> well, he's whoever, he's Bill, right? Um, yes. He he those like secondary vampires like his crew they're all kind of like caricatures they're and like but Kiefer Sutherland kind of like pops differently than them mm, and right. it's not just the character like it's his face like his his whole vibe like he is while they're like 80 cliches like he doesn't look like it like you could look at him and be like oh that's that's a dude from the 80s or whatever but he's not like cliched out right like he's wearing dark clothing and he looks gothic and everything but he's not i don't know there's just something different about him he carries himself with with with, uh, i don't know mass he just has mass like he's just there gravitas isn't the gravitas from the Kiefer sutherland isn't yes that first came up with acting with Kiefer sutherland i think he that's funny he has one of those performances i feel like it was a little bit slightly like when we had talked about footloose and kevin bacon you're just like seeing it and you're like there's there's just so much more yeah and where this guy could do jason patrick is kind of dull like i like him in this but he's kind of like a he's intimidating and he's also likable like that's there and it's a fine line that he's riding the whole time like he literally tears off the head of a, of a beach Nazi <laughs> yeah. out of his skull and then two seconds later you're like oh no that's fine like you're, you're horrified when he did it but then afterwards you're like well I mean it's okay that he did that like do you know what else because he's so likable I I noticed about this performance and then thinking about him as like Jack Bauer and some of his other big roles is how he uses his voice and then inf- like the inflection and stuff like when he, he's like taunting David, you know, in the fight, David, I, there's just, it, it's not something I often think about with acting, but this listening in this and then thinking about how he did it as Jack Bauer, like he would change octaves. And, and I don't know, it's something really 
interesting. I thought about what he yeah. brought to that performance. Uh, again, it's interesting. Like last week, I thought we've had a few of these kind of roles. Kirsten Dunst just is terrifying. He's kind of sinister in a different way. I don't, he's not. Well, he's got to play like that. But... He's got to play like the. It's like the the. Um... Like he's got to be the cool kid who's right. who you want to sort of like you you know that Michael sort of wants to be part of that's what he wants right? right Jamie yeah right and he does kind of really walk the line of like this guy's an asshole or is he actually but he's he's sort of interested in me being friend in like part of his group so like is that is that enough for me to be kind of enticed right like like do i like him or do i not like him and or do i not like him and still want to be friends with him you know that kind of thing it, and Keenan's right like it's very fine because like one misstep one one kind of even just like glare or look in in the wrong way especially that scene where he takes jamie gertz off the bike but because there's so many different ways like in retrospect i can't separate myself not knowing like i know that something's go like even when i watched this the first time i knew that there's something going on with kiefer sutherland right yeah yeah but the 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 real like scene the way it should just play out is that this fucking guy from out of town just tried to take my girlfriend home like right and so like when you view it in that way you're like yeah you can kind of like you can keep Kiefer Sutherland as not a terrible person all the way up until, you know, you know, for until sure. he's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's also, you know, with Jason Patrick, while I don't love the performance and, and I've said this already, we, Jim and I were talking to Mike in the chat and he brought up something about, which I thought was fascinating, which is a problem in interview with the vampire, but Schumacher deals with it much better here. Like we said, there's like a purpose to, and a sense to what Jason Patrick's character is doing. Right. And Mike brought this up to Jim and I, he's like, why didn't Louie just kill bad people? You know, like in retrospect, he brought up this point to us, like, you know, there was all these things that could play out about that character and in the view of the vampire, like his character and struggles and stuff. Like, why didn't he, he I think Mike brought up the example of like, why didn't he pull a Dexter? Right. You know, like yeah. Jason Patrick's character. And I think this is important to hold the film together. Like as much as I don't love his performance, like his goal and, and then balancing that off of against Kiefer is in really interest, more interesting dynamic than the Louis um, Lestat dynamic. I think totally. Points. I also think for his, I mean, I don't think his character was given a lot to do. So like, no, there's that to consider. I just didn't love the but, performance. But, but I think his, I the part of his performance I actually really liked were the action sequences because I thought his like physicality of like being a vampire, he was better th at that than Kiefer was. Like yeah, I saw yeah, he, when he turned, when he finally turned at the end, I thought that was a really, I mean, he gets yeah. a lot. And of granted, you get to see him. more of him because Kiefer's got like the big jacket on for most of the things. So you don't get to see like right. his arms and like what he, because I feel like Jason Patrick just feels stronger in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He, he looks huge, by the way. He just, he looks like a big well, we dude. Also, we, we do see like, uh, 
during the the scene where they're they're racing the the bikes and they almost go off the edge, he does actually kind of hurt David with oh, a yeah. punch. That is human. That is human. Michael punching David, and there is a little bit of like a. There is there is some weight to that hit. So yeah. it's like, okay, that's just with human strength. Now he's got vampire strength. So it's like, oh, man, now it's on. Uh, but but going back to what you're saying about the pulling a Dexter, to a point, Kiefer does kind of do that. That is what the Lost Boys do. There There is a lot of missing people, but the only ones we see in the movie, he, he attacks beach Nazis, which Nazis, that, that's in the name. They're obviously bad people. Uh, the other ones we see him take are... Like, okay, yeah, Marco is obviously trying to, you know, Alex Winter is trying to steal someone else's girl, but that guy then steps to Marco. It's 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 the girl's yeah, boyfriend yeah. steps to it. And that's when Kiefer targets him. Now they don't get him till later. They first go after the guy the security who, guard. The security guard who physically assaults him and is and says, like, hey, you guys can't be here. So he's like, in Kiefer's mind, this guy is bad yeah. because he's kicking my family off of their home like this is this is their home so it's like it's not necessarily he is targeting bad people but everyone he targets everyone he, he doesn't kills. like that's and, different and than dexter though like there, there's there's there, there's people that, that are bad for like humanity and there are people that i don't yes. like that's different right but I, I would say it's not just like people he doesn't like there, there's reason he actually has reasons it's not just random people is what i'm getting at yeah yeah necessarily be well he doesn't like but there's reasons yeah yeah. Yeah, and then Diane Weiss, she's so just good. A, a mom with with troubled kids. Whether they want to just dance in a town that yeah. there's no dancing, or if you want your kid to turn <laughs> into a vampire, I guess it's. And um, yeah, I, I listen. I was pleasantly surprised with the, yep. this one. In in relation, especially like a year ago, I think about Jim when we watched like Nightmare on Elm Street versus yeah. this experience. And I think if you had asked me before watching both, I would have thought, man, Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be a better viewing experience and everything. And I I just think that this was was, this was a pleasant surprise. Well, this I mean, this has the benefit of five years on that movie. I know. But and and I would say those are big five years in movie in film from what is 83 to 87. Or you know yeah. whatever four yeah, years about that yeah about so, that like that those are some huge years in, as mean, far as like over, practical effects go the movies that Corey Feldman were and, as well. and I I would bet the budget for this is is higher is way know, higher just, so like that I just feel I think feel like everything was just more enjoyable no that I, yeah there there's st- I still appreciate some things about Nightmare on Elm Street and I'm not as harsh on it but it it doesn't age well. But I do think that the concept of that movie is still one of the best horror concepts oh, yeah. that's ever been no, created. No, and they no had, question. I I am sad that the that the remake didn't get didn't get the script that it deserves because I think that um, it could have been really terrifying with uh what's his yeah. name with uh Jackie Rorschach. Yeah. Yeah. Rorschach. Oh, this yeah, is by, by the way, I have yeah. to say this is a premise. I know they've done some direct to video things, but I'm surprised is not being revisited again in some way. This is one where I'm like, you know what a revisit of this would not irk me in the way that a lot of remakes do. It wouldn't I and I think you could do it. You could you could probably 
make it interesting. I got a question for you guys. Like, I would. This is clearly a California movie, right? Like, mm. the, like it's clearly California. At first, when I first saw it, and they were talking about the the boardwalk, like keep off the boardwalk, and they hadn't mentioned because this the the um, carousel scene happens before you learn where they are. Um, I was like, "Is this Jersey? Did I forget that this takes place in Jersey?" <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to see a Lost Boys on like the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore, like it set this in Asbury Park, and and have Clarence Clemens playing yeah. saxophone. That was oh, there you go. Oh, well, I just think it'd be yeah. interesting. Um yeah, so check this one out if you're a one of those people who loves like I do to get physical 4K media and Keenan I know it's also as streaming well. in 4K. Uh, uh it's streaming in 4 or you could buy the streaming and disc together, Jim. Um there's a box set on Amazon right now that comes with so here's 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 how I feel about these movies that I didn't buy the the bundle. The bundle is Lost Boys, Interview with a Vampire, and Queen of the Damned. Ooh. But it's twenty twenty eight bucks or something like that. Man, that's too much. You just watched. I rented both of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, Jim, I, we, we're fair in saying this is not better than everything, everywhere, all once. All of us did that episode oh, together. No, so no, uh, and, and I would watch this over Father of the Bride. Yo, yeah, yeah. No, it's I, still, I, I am chill. Bottom of the barrel. Wow, dude. I it's was not a bad movie. It, it's not <laughs> terrible, but it's bad. There, this movie. I'm, I'm saying, like, go watch it because, like, it is. Mm. It still holds up. Like, the, this. I really was surprised about a few things, and I, 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 when we do our double feature, I want to talk about one other specific thing, but I'm going to hold on to it for until right. then. All right. So, all right, let's do double feature. What film would you pair with this to form the? perfect double feature keenan so for this i'm gonna go with either version of fright night Ooh. i actually Ooh. i have not I, seen I fright really, night okay i really like the remake i i actually kind of like with the exception of some really bad shitty cgi i i, I think the remake's actually kind of better plus it's got my boy david Tennant in it so mm. okay. uh, and yeah, I, I'm going with the remake of Fright Night, but if you want to keep in that 80s feel, go with the original Fright Night. But either way, Fright Night's a good winner with this one. Okay. I'm going to go with Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's a bad movie, Brian. That's going to be a little uneven. No, oh, Teen Wolf is not a bad movie at all. Fabulous film. <laughs> They're nothing like the, the werewolf sports movie <laughs> yeah the werewolf sports movies they are yes werewolf sport they're yeah. not many of them and my where's my team my team was right right there there he is right over my shoulder right there there he is all right jim what do you what's your double feature my double feature is and there were a lot of great answers online so i, I you'll probably get to those right you, did you did you get well, them? we can or you we can read a couple okay. if you want so um okay i'm gonna up. i'm going with gremlins Okay, and that's Good because choice. there is like a similar thing going on where there's like this, there's like a slow burn to like insanity, insanity. Like in Gremlins, it's like kind of like things are happening, and Corey Corey Feldman in both of them is great. The moment in Gremlins when the mom has to kill the bad Gremlins in the kitchen oh, and there's just yes. stuff exploding reminded me that's what i thought of in this oh. movie 
when you finally get the vampires attacking the house and all of a sudden there's blood shooting out of sinks and stuff it is disgusting <laughs> and awesome oh god it is yeah nasty um yeah we had some great ones online as well uh what do we have we had another one that i was going to pick and someone uh i think uh i forget who said it was stand by me we've already yep. talked about it but stand by me stand by me is a great, a great one. choice yeah i think we had some people say gremlins monster squad uh, monster squad was one that, that was, was that a was choice. a contender for me that was yeah, definitely another good one lots sure. lots of good stuff this is you know definitely I had a runner-up though. My What's your runner-up? Runner was uh, was an American Werewolf in Ooh. London. Yeah, Very I have not one. seen that in so long. But they just did American Werewolf in Paris on how did this get made? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. All right, it is time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? Why? All right, five question time with Keenan. Uh, Keenan, we all know what your favorite song is from this movie, but the song that's actually good in this movie is something very different. <laughs> uh, we hear the doors being used in this film. Of course, a great Jim Morrison photos hanging out in the cave. But it's not the doors. It's Echo and the Bunnymen. Yes, cover. That's correct. cover. Better than the Guns N' Roses cover at the end oh, of Interview with a Vampire. Way better. <laughs> um, oh, God, but let's talk so about the doors. Keenan, you thumbs up or thumbs down on thumbs the doors? Up. Thumbs up. I love the doors. I have such a weird relate. Like there are certain times in my life where I'm like in a doors mood, and then there are other times where I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" I don't know why, but I it's just how I go with the doors. <laughs> um. All right. I want you to think about the quarries here for a second. Which quarries combination would you rather watch? Which cinematic gem? Keenan, would you rather watch License to Drive or Dream a Little Dream? So for this, actually, it, it really is a which one would I like to watch because I have seen neither. I actually Ooh. have never watched any of the quarries. Wow. So in preparation for this. Wow. I watched the trailers of both of them right before right before I came on yeah. here. After watching the trailers, it it seems to me from just the trailers alone, License Drive seems to be more of a Corey Haim led with Corey Feldman playing the friend, and yes. Dream a Little Dream is Feldman led with Haim playing the friend. And yes. for that dynamic alone, I'm gonna go with License to Drive. Mm, also, right Dream choice. Dream the uh, the trailer makes it look so. That shit insane. It really reminds me of your favorite film. Uh, what, what? Chances are. No. Chances the, are. Is that, is that reason? It look like something happens like where like he, he gets brain swapped or something. He does. So it is. Yes. I, I license to drive is the correct answer, by the way. Yeah. Would, would dream a little dream be a good uh, double feature with chances are. Well, maybe, maybe okay. you, 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 your chances are double features. Just watch chances are again. Yes. That's you just watch, you watch it twice in a row. Chances are, and then watch my soon to be announced uh, as part of the 4k restoration. I am doing a auto commentary on the new 4k desk that I am commissioning to be made. Uh, Keenan fill in the blank question. The amount of money it would take for you to sleep in a coffin for a night would be a million dollars. Like, no, that's just, that's, that's a no for me. Never doing it. Uh, okay. Favorite question, Keenan. What's your favorite Bill and Ted film? Bill and Ted 2. 
bogus journey. Wow. Right. So a strong uh, take. And, and it, if, if you ever want to like hear all of our opinions of that, we did a doom adult series. Yes. On all of all three Bill and Ted movies. I do really like the face, the music. The first one's great, but the second one, there's something about it. It's just, it is my favorite. Love it. it it's almost like that question was designed to give you a built-in plug for your show. Shameless yeah. plug. <laughs> uh, finally, deep thoughts question. Uh, Keenan, if you directed a vampire movie, okay. which two actors or actresses would you have in the film? Okay. So I have not come up with a title yet for this movie, but I have a concept. It's about these two musicians who are touring California beaches starring Tim Capella and Anthony Kiedis, all about the shirtless performers on the beach. Oh the tagline, no shirts, all fangs. Oh, well, hey, I like the tag. Well, yeah, that's the rest that's of something. it. That's <laughs> not sure that will be a double feature. I, so you, you, Teen Wolf too. So back to the question where Brian asked which actors or actresses you would like in this yes. film. Uh, I, I came up with so many different things. Like honestly, I will uh, accept Flea as an actor, but not yes, Anthony Kiedis. Flea, yes, Flea is absolutely an actor. Uh, uh, any anything with Florence Pugh. So like, well, any time you're going to ask me who I'd cast, Florence Pugh is going to be another one. If it's a vampire movie, then it's going like to be either see her as a vampire. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Or right, yeah. Paul Rudd because they they don't age. They could be like a the Nosferatu thing where it's like the actor is actually well, really. Keanu's already been in a vampire movie. <laughs> yes, so we can have him. Very true. Uh, so bit better Rudd. deep thoughts question, Keenan. How how surprised are you that Jim and I were kind and like this movie? Often we have your favorite I, films on and we just so trash them. I got to say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Jim liked it. Brian, I, I figured that you would have a soft spot for this. I, I kind of did think that you would like this. This was not I, a favorite I, from my childhood, but I really did enjoy it. it, it I, so like, I, again, it doesn't ask too much of me, right? Like true. There are so many bad movies that I rag on that are asking me to do so much work for the movie in my head to keep yeah. it all to enjoy it, just to enjoy it. Like, I need to disregard so many things just to enjoy it. This movie doesn't do that. How you can't believe that someone can be a rocket scientist who <laughs> plays multiple instruments in a hit band and tours the uh, world. Re I rewatched Buckaroo Bonds I recently, and it's just as good as ever. I, I think that really is, that's just that's not my that is just good. not my sense of humor. So like that's yeah, so the that's problem fair. with that. There one. is a difference. That's fair. Yeah. That's a that's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> Keenan, where can we find Pop Adult? On anywhere that you listen to podcasts, uh, we have... Wait, it's a podcast? Next... Yeah, yeah, it's a podcast. Uh, our next two episodes that we're going to be releasing, um, I'm not sure what order because it's taking a little bit longer, but we have a second Deadlands episode that's going to be released. That's a, a role-playing game that we're playing with Jim, and uh, I've taken the, the game itself. I've used the audio of it, added sound effects, added music. Ooh. So that that will be one of the episodes, and then we are starting our new series with Doom Addled. Uh, we're starting off the Tony Scott films with a yes. kind of unknown Tony Scott film, one of his first movies, The Hunger, starring vampire film. Yep. Almost got him canceled from Hollywood. Yeah. So that that's what we're that's what we're starting with the hunger because it's October and then yeah. we're going to kind of work our way. This is going to be the longest of the series that we're. I was going to say a lot of movies going in there. 
Are you going to yeah. redo Top Gun? Are you going to go back and no, do Top no, Gun? We're, we're skipping Top Gun because it's been done by so many people, and we can't we can't top that. Uh, we're skipping a, a couple other ones. We're skipping Days of Thunder, um, Enemy of the State. Okay. So we're Our, and Beverly Hills Cop too because I'm hoping I'm hoping maybe a future Doom Metal series will be all the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Yes, so good. All right. Does, well, does David Bowie do anything creepy in this movie? Yes. Is he a like, pedophile? Yeah, who's in this movie this? too? Who's the 14-year-old that he's after? Keenan, thank you. cameo in in uh, the Christopher Nolan movie. He was creepy in all. Oh, he was. Oh, he was uh, actually as Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, as Tesla. As Tesla. Um, yeah. All right, Keenan, we will see you soon. Thank you so much, as yeah. always. Yeah, right, thanks, buddy. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. See you next time.